Good morning, everybody. How's everybody feeling? Everybody feeling good? Good, good, good. I feel good. I'm excited to be with you all. I'm excited to uh, kick off a brand new, a brand new series, a series called Off Season. Uh, it's a personally, I'm proud of of us. I'm proud of myself, especially um, that that we have made it now almost two years as a as a church, nearly two years as a congregation, and this is the first sports reference we've had in a series. That's pretty crazy, especially for those of you who know me. Like, that's insane that I made it this long, but I couldn't wait, wait any longer. I had to do it because I love, I love sports. I love, I love athletics. I love things that involve um, uh, competition, right? You don't believe that there's competition. There's competition in scripture. We'll get into some of that today. Um, but for me, this, this, series, uh, this series is extremely timely. Uh, Off-season is, is how I would categorize the way uh, I've lived the... Um, uh, it, it's where my personal physical activity has lied in the last year or so. I have just been in one big, long off-season. Uh, if you don't catch what I'm saying, I'm saying I've been, like, lazy a lot the last several months. Not a whole lot of physical activity going on up in this john. And so um, this Thursday, this, this past Thursday, I actually had the opportunity um, uh, to, to rejoin uh, the basketball leagues that we have here, uh, the summer league. I feel like summer league is always the craziest because uh, dudes are home from school and they're just, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy in here. And uh, I had the opportunity to, to rejoin the leagues this past Thursday and realize exactly how much time off I've taken, okay? Um, I literally, literally have not shot a basketball since Epic. All right, all right, all right, relax, <laughs> relax. Epic, for those of you who don't know, is our youth retreat that we have every uh, March. But uh, it's, it, it's been a while, to say the least. And so, and so I, I, personally, I was doing good on my, on my, like, eating and drinking habits. Like, I, was, I, was, uh, I cut out all fast food and pop. That's what I mean by drinking habit. Don't, don't send me an email tomorrow. That's what I meant. Um, I was doing good, like no fast food, no pop, uh, doing really good, things like that, except for, you know, a couple bad influences that live in my house, but it's fine. Um, uh, but I, I didn't feel like I needed to be physically active, um, because I was losing weight and I felt a lot better. And so I was like, I don't really need to go and do all of that because like, I feel like I look better. I feel like I feel better. Like I think, I think I'm. I think I'm okay, uh, but lately my stress level has been getting uh, a little too high, to say the least. And so uh, we figured we had a my wife and I had a, a a one way conversation where we both together mutually figured I should probably get involved uh, in some in some physical activity to maybe maybe get out some of this stress, maybe sweat out some of the stress equity equity, if you will. And, and so I figured I would get in. I figured I'd, I'd play a little bit of basketball. And all I'm going to say about my experience on Thursday for right now is I felt so terrible after Thursday night that I was actually motivated enough. I felt so bad 
that I was actually motivated enough to wake up at 5 a.m. the next morning and get out there and get involved in some physical activity. To do, to try and start whipping myself back into shape. And now this isn't to say that to pat me on the back because I have yet to stick with it. But this is to say that too often the story I just told is the story of our faith. I feel like I've been doing pretty good lately. I feel like I've got some ducks in a row. And I feel like God is smiling on me because of the good works that I've been doing. And so I can afford to get a little lax. I can afford to get a little free and loose with a few things. And we don't realize how much we need the things that we've let go of until we're in the midst of a disastrous situation. And now we're like, oh boy, what a time to have let that go. This series is meant to get us back into the right mindset of being spiritually disciplined and back to being focused on the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because I don't know if this has been your church experience, but my church experience for the last several years has has been summer tends to be like Christian off-season. I'm in church every Sunday, twice on Sunday, every Wednesday night. I go to parks. I go to Bible study. I take classes. I go to Malone. I'm, and then in the summer, it's like, that's my break from all of that. As if spirituality is something we can take a break from. As if God is something we take a break from. Our introduction to this series this morning comes from the Apostle Paul. And his first letter to the church in Corinth. So if you all would with me, if you have physical Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. That's in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians will be in the ninth chapter. So that's big number nine. And go ahead and scroll yourself down to the bottom. If you have your electronic devices with you and you can fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and or Snapchat, you feel right ahead and go ahead and flip there on your Bible app. If not, for the rest of y'all, it'll be up on the screen. A little bit of context before we get into it. This again is the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, the Gospel Globetrotter himself. Man, I feel like we talk about Paul a lot. Well, he did write almost like half of the New Testament, so it's, you know, we're kind of boxed in a little bit. But the Apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Corinth, and he's just getting done um, going through a long list of things that he does and, and has done in the name of serving Christ. What he's saying is, I've gone from extreme to extreme, and I've preached Christ in both places. He says, I am the strongest of the strong. You think you got more credentials than me in this culture over here? Nah, fam, you got it twisted. I've got more credentials than anybody in this culture, and I preach the gospel over here. You think over here you're weak, you're lowly, you've got a low social class? Nah, fam, nobody's worse than me. You got it twisted, and I've preached the gospel over here. Oh, you think you've got it nice, I've got it nice, and I've preached the gospel. Oh, you're in prison? I've been in prison, and I've preached the gospel. He has gone to every extreme, and he's explaining that in every instance, whether he's been the most credited or the least deserving, he has done it all for this reason. In verse 23, Paul says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing." I do all of that 
to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Verse 24, and then we'll stop right here. He begins a metaphor and he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So what? So run to win. You play to win the game. Hello? Paul says, I don't do this stuff. I don't act as a Jew while I'm with the Jews. I don't act as a Gentile while I'm with the Gentiles. I don't be perfectly lawful and perfectly lawless. I don't do these things to avoid the scrutiny and the prejudices of others. I don't do this to be fake and to fit in, if you will, with the group around me. I do this for the sake of the gospel. I do this for the sake of expanding the word and the kingdom of God. I do this so that people will look at me and be like, that guy's got something to say. What's he got to say? And then when they hear what I got to say, it's Jesus. I do this to further promote the gospel. He says, I do this to share in the gospel. The gospel tells us to be, Jesus tells us to be active in our faith. So the way to share in the gospel is to partake in active faith. Paul goes as far as to say he goes after his faith like an athlete goes after a prize. Like a runner goes after that finish line. All of that muscle, all of that aggression, all of that focused exertion of energy. That's what I put into my faith, a metaphor that would have drawn his audience in. As he writes this to the church in Corinth, Corinth was a city that was known for hosting what's called the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games were second in popularity in the entire world only to the Olympics. So there was like the Olympics, big deal, still a big deal, and then there was the Isthmian Games. And he's writing to a group of people who annually, or well, tri-annually, host these Olympic-style games. He says, in a race, you know that race that you go to watch, that arena that you all fill to go and glorify these athletes, in a race, they run to win. And everybody runs. Everybody goes after it. Everybody believes in that race that they're going to win. But only one of them is actually going to win. Paul says, coming close isn't good enough. Starting the race, but then pulling up at the end because you just lost, isn't good enough. Walking without conviction in a race is not good enough. The expectation is to run with your eyes on the prize in order to outlast the competition lined up next to you. We as believers are the victors. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the victors. We as believers have eternal victory. The expectation then is for us to act like it. The expectation then is for us to run like it. Starting the race but not finishing is not good enough. 
kind of jogging because you're unsure about the person next to you and don't feel like you measure up is not good enough. Walking is not good enough. We run to outlast the competition. Are you aware this morning that there is competition in our world? Are you aware that spiritually speaking, not even talking about the organized sports leagues we have, that spiritually speaking there is competition in our world? Are you aware of that? While Christ works tirelessly through his people to promote and spread the gospel, the enemy and others who are just aimless are tirelessly at work to pull our attention away to promote damaging messages, and to trip us up on the way to victory. What will you do in the face of competition? How do you respond when the elements and enemies in this world are running in the lane right next to you? And they're looking at you, and they're taunting you. And they're like, oh, you think you're going fast? Oh, that's cute. They might be bluffing, but you don't know that. Part of, the reason, part of the reason I love sports ministry is because I believe when, when people are in competition, you find out exactly who they are. You figure out real quick what this person's about. And if you didn't like what I just said, that's probably because you need to check yourself. In the athletic arena, you feel me? I feel like you find out exactly who somebody is real quick. They throw a temper tantrum, that's who they always are. They might just do other things to mask it well otherwise. Thursday night, I saw all kinds of responses to competition. All kinds of responses to competitions. I want to run you through real quick what I feel are like are three of the most common responses to competition. Real quick, can I do that with you? Three of the most common responses to competition. The first one is fear of competition. I feel like there are people who go out there and they're feeling fine pregame. They're watching their shots drop pregame. But then as soon as that whistle blows, that boy is lost. They don't know where to run. They don't know where to stand. They don't know who they're guarding. They don't know what they're doing on transition. They don't know. They're just lost. And it's not because they're not aware. It's because they're afraid. Somebody might call out your number. I got 24. And all of a sudden, your heart drops a little bit. Ooh. I guess I'm just passing the ball today. People are afraid of the person next to them. People, that, people are afraid of competition. There are people, I believe, who have let other worldly influences drown out their influence. That as soon as something that might not preach a Christ message begins speaking louder than you, all of a sudden you fade to the back. Or every time things get a little heavy and you watch your friends go in a way that you don't feel like they should be going, all of a sudden you're not saying nothing either because you're afraid of the kickback. The second way, the second most common response I feel like to uh, competition is wasted energy. There's the, always that person on every team that wastes their energy on all the wrong things. You are constantly running your mouth. 
You are constantly getting after the officials. You are constantly getting at the person guarding you to the point that by the time you touch the ball, you got no more energy to do nothing about it. There are people in our faith that waste their energy on all the wrong things. So that way when things that are significant come up, you've got no voice. Do you go hard on the things that don't matter? Are you bureaucratic, legalistic, a stickler for all the things that don't really matter? Thus wasting your voice on the opportunities that that do matter. Third common response, lack of focus. Boy, if this wasn't me on Thursday, here's what happened. I was feeling awful. And in my mind, I was like, all I got to do is I got to get out there. And I always like, I'm a shooter. I'm one dimensional. Let me tell you that right now. I'm a shooter. I'm not going to guard you. I'm not trying to drive. I might pass if you flash the lane, but if I touch the ball, it's going in the air. And so in my mind, I was like, all I need to do the first time I touch the ball is get my feet set and put up this shot. And if it goes in, it's going to be a good day. But if it doesn't, well, we'll see. First time I touch the ball. Yeah, this is like my excuse to like tell a glory story, right? So first time I touch the ball Thursday evening, I'm coming across this perimeter right here. I catch it right there where, where Beck is sitting. I turn around to shoot it, and this guy smacks the snot out of me. I mean that literally. Like I was dripping after he hit me, but the shot went in. They called the foul. I hit the and one, four-point play. I'm like, oh, I'm back, dude. I am back. Like, y'all don't even know what's about to hit you. Tell me why I went 0 for 10 the rest of the game. And that's not a funny story for a sermon illustration. It's a sermon illustration because it really happened. By the fourth quarter, by the fourth quarter, I was so unfocused. I was so in my own head that I was doing stupid stuff. I got called over here when I caught the ball for being out of bounds. I looked down and half my foot's out of bounds. What are you doing, Corey? I catch, I catch a stupid rebound over here. I see my guy streaking down to this hoop, and I just, like, chucked it down to him because nobody was there, and I way overthrew it. What are you doing, man? Lack of focus. I got in my own head. Are you the person that starts out okay, but then you just continuously make dumb mistakes? You get in your own head, and then you disqualify yourself. That's me. Let's keep moving. Verse 25. Let's do 25 and 26. Potentially. Here we go. All athletes, Paul writes, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Paul says these athletes that you immortalize, these athletes that you build statues of, these athletes that are getting paid the millions, these athletes that you have hanging on your wall, we switch into modern times, these athletes 
that are on the background of your phone, on your fantasy team, that you gamble your own money on, these athletes, they're extremely disciplined. Maybe rather than, rather than like immortalizing in your mind their field goal percentage, maybe you should immortalize in your mind the self-discipline these athletes have. They regularly enact disciplines of abstinence and exercise as a part of their preparation for the race. Let me say that another way. These athletes regularly deny themselves things that aren't healthy for their bodies, and they engage their body instead in activities that will stretch, strengthen, and overall better themselves for the competition that's in this world. For a professional athlete, There is no off-season. Write that down. There is no off-season. Do you know what athletes use the off-season for? The weight room. Try out a new diet. Travel. Play with other people. Expand your game. There is no off-season in faith. There is no off-season in the church. There's only time to expand your strength to expand your mind, to expand your discipline, to do things that are going to better yourself. And Paul's point here is if the athletes do this to obtain a crown that is literally some leaves tied together and placed on their head, how do you think we should go after it when our prize is eternity in the presence of the perfect? Never did you wrong God who came and brought his only son to save your sorry behind. Amen. How hard should we go after it when our crown is so much bigger than something you can pull up out of the dirt? He goes on to say that every single step he takes is with purpose. The literal translation for shadow boxing here is, I don't punch the air. That could mean a couple different things. That could mean he's just pretending. You ever seen somebody shadow boxing? Of course you have. This is Canton. Everybody thinks they box. (laughs) He says, I don't practice. The only practice I have is for heaven. I don't practice. Y'all get that on the car ride home. I don't practice. It could also mean I don't hit the air, meaning I don't miss. I don't miss my opponent. I don't miss what I'm trying to hit. I don't miss what I strive for. I hit it. If the Lord puts it on my heart to swing, I swing and I hit. I don't hit the air. I ain't missing. You know another awful realization I had on Thursday night? I've allowed my body to take way too much time off from physical activity. I ain't told nobody else this. I thought Marcus was going to catch me because he was walking down the hall at the exact moment that it happened. But I threw up after the game on Thursday. I've been letting stress de-energize my motivations to be physically active or personally healthy. We can't do that in our faith because in our faith, the consequences are far more detrimental than in physical exercise. There is no off-season. Sabbath, yeah, yeah, yeah. Work out your time for rest. Ain't nobody talking about the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath. 
But we should be training our minds, our bodies, our spirit to always be ready to further the gospel. I had a professor in college tell me, you should always be ready to do three things. Preach, pray, die. I'm like, how about preach and pray? He's like, "Uh uh-uh. Always be ready. Too often we allow the busyness of our schedule to dictate our involvement in the body of Christ. Rather than letting our involvement in the body of Christ influence all parts of our schedule. Too often, we allow the busyness of our schedule to put our spiritual discipline on hold or in the back seat. Rather than letting our spiritual discipline energize us to run through the finish line of our schedule. You ever say you're going to start every morning in the Word? You ever say that? In my life, I know I can count on this hand right here. How many people I know that actually do that? One of them is going to be preaching up here next week, Deshaun. Like, he does it. I believe it. I know he does. Because then when we wake up, at whatever time we say we're going to wake up, we're like, ah. Or I could sleep for like another hour. I could read or I could pray slash sleep slash dream. But see, Paul says we can't win. No, 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 let me back up. We can't even compete without discipline. Have you been vacationing from your faith this summer? Is it time for you to get back after it with the passion and rigor you once had? Let's finish this passage up. Verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul is speaking to how dishonorable it would be to be disqualified from the race for something that didn't even happen inside the race. You feel me? Doping scandals, whatever it is. He says, that's dishonorable. I'm not trying to be the one that runs, wins, gets a statue built out of it, and then you got to tear it down because you found out later a little something, something. He says, I discipline myself. I train myself. The Holy Spirit, I allow the Holy Spirit to work on me at all times. I go through these things so that there is nothing that can disqualify me while I'm preaching. While I'm living into the word of God, while I am doing what the Lord has told me to do, I do these things other times so that way when I am doing that, there's nothing that somebody can look at and say, yeah, but I just seen him. (laughs) Phrase I always say, specifically to, to our interns, competency without character is useless. In other words, it doesn't matter how good you are at something. If your character sucks, people are going to find that out. You will be brought down. And unfortunately, so will everything that you've built up. So will your legacy. How often do we see that to be true in sports? We immortalize athletes. And then 
we find out, oh, he was on roids? Oh, he was messing around on some other stuff? No, take that statue down. No, remove him from the record books. Let's pretend like he never happened. And now at top of the home run charts, we just got an asterisk. How often does it unfortunately happen in church? I don't prefer to count just this year the number of pastors I know, I've heard of, whose ministries have been disqualified, whose churches have closed, or people have lost in droves because they were found out about what they were doing behind closed doors with people who weren't their spouse. It unfortunately happens all the time. If you are not disciplined, how often does this just happen in life? It just happens in life. Find out a reality about somebody we think we've always known. It changes everything, doesn't it? What would disqualify you? I had somebody ask me not too long ago, if Satan was going to take you down, how would he do it? If Satan was going to take you down this morning, how would he do it? And what is the discipline you need to put into place to make sure that doesn't happen? Throughout the rest of the series, we're going to go through uh, disciplines that I believe we, don't, we can't get to all of them. We are, unfortunately, operating on a timetable. But we're going to talk about some of the disciplines that I believe we can put into everyday practice. And it's going to be brought to us by different voices, not just my own, in order to build us up to be stronger in our individual faith. Because when we gather together as people who are strong in our individual faith, and then God puts those influences together, ooh, no system. No structure, no city, no person, no athlete, no influence can stand against what God brings together. When the body of Christ is disciplined, whoo, the body of Christ disciplined flipped an entire empire. Ask me about it. I'll tell you about it. The encouragement for us this morning is that We are the victors. We are the ones who run. And we are the ones that in the end times will win. There's more than just one. It's not just Jesus. But because it was Jesus, he says, anybody who's with me, any of my brothers and sisters who hear my voice, come on. So it's not just one. We are victorious. We will be standing. We should be standing now. But the challenge is we need to begin training, running, and winning like it. We need to walk into our places of work, into our schools, most especially into our homes, like we are the victors. And that there is no off-season. That's a, that's, a, that's a term that we place on things when you can't see the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. But that doesn't mean he's not at work. Yeah. 
that we need to be diligent in getting after it. We need to begin training, running, and winning like we are the victors.